This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Okay, so we're going to get started. Um, hi, everyone. I am Stephanie. I am the director of product at Quill and co-host. Quill is our award-winning podcast agency, and co-host is our hosting analytics and growth product, and we're really excited to be sponsoring the growth track of podcast movement. Um, for today's session, we're going to be diving into the audience growth playbook and really talking about retention, so how to get loyal listeners, how to grow your audience, um, and how to ultimately just continue to retain listeners for your podcast. Um, so I'm really excited to introduce all of our panelists today. So we have Heather Gordon, the Managing Director for Canada at ACAST. <laughs> You've got a fan club. <laughs> Uh, Fatima Zaidi, the founder and CEO of Co-Host and Quill. We have Sean King. <laughs> Sean King, the SVP of Commercial Services at Veritone. Roger Nairn, the CEO of Jar Audio. <laughs> and lastly, moderated by Lauren Passell, the founder of Tink Media. And before I go, a huge thank you to our sponsor for this session, uh, Focusrite. <laughs> what? Oh, sorry. I was really struggling with that before I came up here. Um, <laughs> one audience member is going to be winning the Focusrite Vocaster, which is the Easiest way to bring studio quality sound for your podcast at home. Um, so after the session, stick around. We're going to be announcing who is going to win that microphone um, and then come and see me afterwards. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to Lauren. Hi. Thanks for coming. I have to quickly say, I, was, I just got here this morning and the last two days I was home in New York and thinking, getting this really warm feeling, thinking of everyone coming from all over the world to this place. So you know, from their homes, you know, trains, planes, and automobiles, saying goodbye to their families to be here together. And thank you for being here. And thank you for being here in this room, because this is going to be great. So, um, you know, first, I have a couple of questions that I want to ask everybody. And then we have questions for Heather, Fatima, Sean, and Roger individually. And then we'll have another question for everybody at the end. Um, now, first of all, uh, Fatima, I think I'm going to start with you, because you invited me to be here, and I'm very grateful. Um, so... Well, this is for everybody, but I'm going to start with you. So podcasts are so popular for creators. It's, it's a great thing for creators to tap into. Uh, why do you think podcasts are good for them above other, uh, other kinds of mediums? Yeah, it's a great question, mostly because I came up with it. <laughs> uh, the perks of getting to sponsor a session is that you also get to write the questions for programming. Um, but this is something that I say all the time, which is 92% of people who start a podcast end up listening to the entire episode, uh, and typically a 30-minute video only has a 12% completion rate. I get asked all the time why the disparity in stats. Well, it's pretty clear. You can be driving to work and listening to a podcast, but you can't be watching a Netflix show. You can be uh, doing your dishes or walking your dog and listening to a podcast, but you can't be reading an article. It's one of the few mediums that isn't available to traditional advertisers. And because of that, I truly think that just like your business had a phone number in the 1980s, a website in the 1990s, and social in the 2000s, the next five to 10 years is the wave of audio. 
I think just to also add there, I mean, when we think about creators and podcasts, creators thrive with community. And I think we can all attest that, you know, we've, we've seen it this the last few days. Like, there's no better community than the community of podcasters. And, and that goes for the creators, the folks in behind the scenes and, and business. And, and when it comes to, like, growing your audience and, and looking for opportunities with other shows, uh, everyone is incredibly friendly and incredibly collaborative. It's just a matter of... Um, your, uh, you know, your, uh, you know, your will and ability to to reach out and grow the show, and and a little bit more to that, uh, and community is, you know, podcasting is very almost generational and personal when you're talking about it. If you even go back to even before there was media, you would tell your stories around a campfire, you would walk. That's how you would share your history. That's how you share your heritage. It was all spoken word, and so there's something incredibly personal about being able to have a podcast. And with those listenerships, people are connecting to it because they genuinely care, they're interested, they want to hear it. I mean, just in the same way that we would tell our stories in the past, it's a new and very personal way that you can create very unique and localized content to your listenership. There's also very little rules to what we do. I mean, we're still at that beautiful stage where, yeah, there's best practices and there's, you know, there's good ways of doing it and bad ways of doing it, but also there's very little rules in, in how we produce and the show we create and the types of stories we tell. And I, I think we're still in that great spot where creators can just thrive right now. Hi there. Okay, thank you. Um, I'll tell you a little story. Uh, I married a novelist and a TV producer. And um, we hear no a lot in our house because making television, getting the written word into text and into a book is very, very difficult. It doesn't happen often. Um, there are uh, upteen challenges involved with it. And I think that's part of the reason why podcasting is so special, um, it's access. We, we don't need a Hollywood producer anymore, um, you know, with their magic wand deciding what gets put on television, what gets put on the screen, or an editor deciding what gets put in a book. Um, it's up to us. The power has been put back in our hands. Um, and it's why it's allowed so many brilliant minds to thrive, um, because they can, really. Love it. Um, so, what you want is loyal listeners, right? You, want, you don't want listeners that are going to come in and then leave and come back in a year. How do we find loyal listeners? How do we connect with them? Uh, Fatima, you want to go first? Sure. Um, wait, well, I have to go first for every question. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm okay to go first. Um, I would say that Loyal listeners is a really interesting topic for me because it's so hard to measure loyal listeners. Like you can typically look in your RSS feed logs and match the IP addresses with a time duration, but realistically only hosting platforms have access to that information. Um, so I think the question is like, how do you even measure loyal listeners? Um, so usually what our company does is we um, will go to different channels like social media or newsletters or um, podcast reviews and, and try to create and foster a sense of community and belonging. Uh, the first step is, I think, really understanding podcast listening is transactional. We're asking for their most valuable resources, which is time and attention. And in exchange, they want to be educated, entertained, 
want companionship or something in return that adds value to their life. And so understanding those key drivers of appeal and then leveling up editorially is the first step. And then creating some sort of a community where they can not only engage with the host of the show, the content, as well as each other. Um, I think I said this in one of my previous panels. One of my favorite podcasts is called Teenage Therapy, and they do a really good job of um, engaging with their audience, posting session, video sessions from their recordings onto social, and then asking their guests to comment on each topic, pitch new topic ideas, and then chat with each other about um, their thoughts and feedback on the topic. So that generally creates a sense of belonging, and um, I would say that usually that's like the first step in creating a loyal following, and then being able to actually accurately track and measure would be the next step. Lovely example. Just, uh, you know, my company, Draudia, we come from the, the branded podcast side. So for us, loyal listeners typically, um, you know, we can't always tell who those people are because, you know, for privacy reasons. But sometimes when we're looking at B2B podcasts and we're looking at B2B audiences, we'll look at something like Chartable and we can tell what companies listeners are coming from. And, and that's not the end all and be all of, that's not perfect data, but we kind of put on our, 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 you know, our investigator hat. And those are little clues that like, if we see a consistent ping coming from the Warren School of Business or whatever, that to us is interesting and it kind of factors into our decision making as we go forward. Heather, let's go Heather. If you want to find out who your loyal listeners are, it's, it's probably a great place to start by asking them. Um, I mean, likely they're going to want to interact with you. If, if I think about it, and if you think about your loyal audience in a, like a brick and mortar situation, if you actually had a physical store and you sold perfume, and 200 people walked in that store, you likely are going to want to interact with all of them, right? Or at least as many as you can. Um, so, you know, my advice would be make sure you're easily accessible, make sure you're, you're easy to find, you're going to have your social media accounts, but know which social media you should be on. You don't need to be on all of them if it doesn't feel right, um, but be on the ones that reflect you and reflect your character. Ask them, um, and, and you'll hear from them, and, and you'll be able to work with them, and, and they can help build uh, content of your podcast, how often you... Um, you release new uh, podcasts into the world. Um, if they're out there, they'll find you and you should make it um, as easy as possible for them to find you. Yeah. And just kind of bring it together from hearing from everyone. Really, you're talking about engagement. You know, making sure that there's a sense of consistency and it consists of authenticity with your audience. So if you're going to do it, you have to commit and you have to be all into doing it. You know, they're, again, they're listening to you because they want to listen to you because they're doing that. And so if you're going to commit and wanting to build this out, you have to be consistent with your engagement and reaching them where they are at, whichever social platform it's at, and, and being able to create that sense of community. Because, you know, especially in a digital first world, we're all craving some sort of human engagement. And, and that's the best thing that you can do to keep that consistent uh, listenership. Great. Heather, I have two questions for you. Um, First of all, what's a reasonable benchmark for cost per listener uh, in podcasting, and how is that evolving? And also, uh, what are ever you can answer that first, but to keep in mind, the second question is, what are advertisers looking for when they're launching their campaigns? I love advertising questions. Um, 
typically, uh, advertising in the podcast world is, is sold on a CPM basis, which means a cost per thousand basis. Um, it's probably important to note that uh, historically, broadcast media, digital media, so video, display, all of that, uh, outdoor print, is all sold on a CPM basis. Um, so podcasting is just following along uh, in, in that footsteps, and it's generally what uh, the agencies and clients understand. Um, so in terms of um, what clients are looking for, it's uh, to typically generate some sort of outcome. So we work with each client individually to understand what those KPIs um, and what their goals are. So that could be creating brand awareness for their product. That could be putting a bum in a seat if you're looking to uh, sell movie tickets. It could be generating a click to your website if you're looking uh, to grow web traffic. It could be uh, one of numerous things and we have um, many tactics to be able to deliver against that. So there's the um, oft-talked-about host reads, which are hugely impactful and hugely successful. So that's where we harness your brilliant voices um, and work with brands to help uh, facilitate uh, whatever problem it is that the client has. We also run um, just regular old spots. They're traditionally, you can think of them as a radio spot. However, they're not radio spots because they're created for the very unique uh, platform of podcasting. And also above and beyond that, we work with our creators and podcasters to create uh, branded content. So actual content where we wrap um, the brand and integrate it into the content of your show um, for a much higher premium. Um, so there's, there's lots of different opportunities. It is ever-evolving in terms of uh, future evolution. Uh, programmatic buying is now uh, gaining more traction, so that's sort of a machine-to-machine -machine where your podcast just generates revenue um, if you belong to a marketplace like, a, like an Acast. Um, so, the, you know, there's lots of stuff happening. Great. Um, Fatima, I also have two questions for you. Pardon me? Okay, and one of them I'm really excited about because one of them is, was one I was especially excited about. Um, what is the podcast audience growth myth that you would like to debunk? Hmm. I would say that the one thing that I would like to sort of highlight is that social advertising, Facebook ads, Google ads, LinkedIn ads doesn't necessarily or usually ever translate to podcast downloads or listeners. Um, if you have limited budget, don't do it. Um, I, you're much better off taking that ad spend and putting it towards some of the paid listening platforms um, where you can actually acquire people who are already listening to podcasts based on different categories. Uh, and of course, if you have larger budgets, if you're an agency or a brand, nothing is more lucrative than custom host read ads on other podcasts, as well as paid feed drops where the trailer of your show can li live in the feed of another dedicated podcast. Um, and if you're starting with no budget at net zero, then you're making sure that you're checking off all of the organic marketing tactics, so things like um, applying for podcast awards, transcribing all of your content for accessibility, converting that into blogs, um, you know, just really focusing on, you know, engaging with people in the communities on Facebook and other groups. I think that um, in podcasting, there's not enough focus on SEO and repurposing content for other channels. So in a lot of other industries, we'll see um, in, in, within podcast marketing, people trying to repurpose their content to reach different audiences and different platforms. Uh, usually with podcasting, you just create the audio and leave it, not think about the accessibility component and uh, reaching people who may not 
prefer listening to audio but still want to engage with your content in some capacity. So my myth here, the very long-winded answer is social ads um, is not always linked to podcast downloads. I was underlining those words with my brain when you were saying it. I couldn't agree more. Um, yes, and also something that I'm really excited to hear you talk about because I get asked this all the time. What do you do if you're starting from nothing? Like, what if you don't have a lot of money and you, you don't have a lot of leverage and you don't, you're starting all by yourself? Mm -hmm. what, are, what do those people do? Well, firstly, understanding that podcasting is a marathon, not a sprint. And um, just like building your business or building your personal brand, it takes a really long time. And if you are working with no or limited budgets, it's going to take even longer. So unfortunately, unfortunately, brands and big networks can pump in budget to really accelerate growth. But if you're an independent content creator who's self-financing their show, um, it's just going to take a little bit longer at times. So, you know, step one, creating editorially leveling up by creating a show that adds value to people's lives and, and understanding that your show needs to be marketable. We like to say it needs to be the first, the best, or different, fall into one of those three categories. Um, once you've sort of nailed that component, um, marketing is half of the scope. Uh, and it's totally fine if you don't have budget. I would say there's, you know, having a website where you can really engage with people, um, asking your listeners to tweet at you where in the world they are and what they're doing when they're listening to your show applying for podcast awards. Uh, not all the categories are like the Ambies and People Choice Awards where you have to belong to Wondery or a big network. Quills, podcast awards, um, the winners are always independent content creators who are putting out incredible uh, content and not part of a big production house. Uh, making sure that you're trying to get in front of people in that way. Um, and what I mentioned earlier, making sure that you're transcribing your content, that you have a blog of some sort, uh, and that you're on social channels. Not all the social channels, you can't be everywhere at once, uh, but that you're utilizing tracking links to see where your listeners are coming in from so you can really double down on those uh, specific channels. Love it, that's good advice for me. Um, also, let's go on to Sean. Um, so, People, podcasters make really, really important decisions based on assumptions for editorial, for marketing. How can we arm them with data to make data-driven decisions? Well, that's a, it's a loaded question, but let me back it up a little bit. I mean, there are so many different ways that you can advertise on a podcast, as kind of Heather alluded to, but I'll be really clear. Like, if there's no engagement, congratulations, you got to buy, you're never getting it again. So, and I know I said it earlier, engagement is key. So, you know, rather if you're engaging with your audience and doing those, like, I think one of the things that kind of on, uh, that she mentioned on a myth-wise is like CPM or how many thousands of listeners you have, you know, that is not the end-all be-all from those ones here. You know, I, we not, and an advertiser brand is not necessarily going to value your content based off how many listenerships you have you may be able to generate 10,000, 10x more responses from your podcast because of the engagement that would drive a value to someone who could be getting 10x more listeners than you have. Engagement is everything. So just really know that because if you're coming out to it, just know that like listenership, followers, all of that is a line in the equation. It is not the equation. And so if you want to talk about the, it, like how you can arm you know, people that are coming to want to engage with you on that, understand your audience. 
Do everything that you can to understand the composition of your audience. You know, the consistency of the show that you create, the content that you create. You know, uh, where, you know, are you suitable? Like, what how far do you take it to the edge? Have a really understanding contextually about what you're talking about, about who's listening, but more importantly, who's engaging with you. Because at the end of the day, that's all brands want, is they want an engagement. They want someone to buy their product, they want someone to take their service, they want to get the butt in the seats. So just focus on the engagement aspect. Everything else will take care of itself. Love it. Okay, Roger. So we have our uh, loyal listeners. How do we? How do brands get those loyal listeners to transfer to other form, formats, other mediums, other platforms? Yeah. So so if you're a brand that has a has a podcast, I mean the first rule is it's it's got to be a great podcast. You, you, branded shows have a higher bar to, to to reach when it comes to the quality of our shows. Um, so we always say create a great podcast first. It just happens to be brought to you by or made by a brand. Um, and that's important to mention because if you've done that, you then have gained a loyal listener, you've gained affinity towards that brand, and a little bit more affinity, a little bit more affinity is gonna give you permission, you know, because you've now created a relationship with that listener, it's given you permission to share some of your other content. So I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, you know, one of our clients is Expedia. We do a podcast called Out Travel the System, and. You, we'll, we'll do, we did an episode on um, how to go to Disneyland for under $2,000 with a family of four. It's very, very difficult to do, but it can be done. So the podcast is all about how to get the most of your travel experience. It's not about Expedia. It's not about selling plane tickets. It's literally about helping travelers. Well, in the Midpoint rebrand, we take that as an opportunity to say, hey, if you've enjoyed this conversation, visit our blog. We've got a checklist for you know, how to, how to you know, get the most out of your travel experience at Disneyland. Uh, you know, we've used it, our travel experts have used it, so this is a really great opportunity f you know, f you know, for you to, to download and check out. Um, another client of ours at, at, at Royal Bank, RBC, which is one of the world's largest banks, you know, we talk a lot about the economy, we talk a lot about you know, the future. It's a great opportunity for us to then say, hey, we've just done this white paper on uh, you know, gender equity in the workplace or something like that, or you know, sort of tangential conversation, visit us here. Now, what you can't do is just sort of barf a whole bunch of promos at them about the brand or sell them anything other than an added value piece of content that is going to help them and is going to be beneficial to them. Otherwise, you're going to turn them off as a listener, and it's, it's not going to work it as well. But as, podcast, as podcasters, you, you know, if you have other content too, you want to be really clear on what other content you have available. You know, it could be a YouTube channel with other clips, or it could be a blog, it could be some reports you've written, or you know, you're going to know best. But I mean, as a business owner, I sometimes forget how much content we actually have. And so what we've started doing, just as a, my personal business, we've started like keeping track and mapping out all of our content. So we'll use a service or a program like Miro and literally just map it all out so we don't forget it. So that when we're producing our episodes, we can go, Oh, it'd be really great to also share this piece of content in the episode, so that you can get you know get a little bit more uh, um, further engagement with that audience. And so, it's really about sort of adding value, adding value, adding value to your to your audience, and giving them and and giving them that opportunity, but even just making them aware that that content uh, exists at all. I, I want to ask you a quick follow-up that I don't know, I don't think has an answer. <laughs> but is there a limit? Those are always to, the best questions. <laughs> is there a limit to? How many things you can ask a listener to do? Oh, that's a great question. 
Great. That's a really good question. I don't, I mean, again, I don't think so. I think it all depends on the context of what you're asking and, and how helpful it is and how much value you're adding to these people's lives. I mean, we listen to podcasts for a number of reasons. We listen to be entertained or to learn something or to have a cry or to laugh or, you know, so if you can add something extra and, and ask them to visit somewhere else or, or, or engage with other content, I mean, you'll know what's right for your audience, but I don't think that there's too many times you can ask that as long as it feels right and is appropriate for the, the relationship. Because we've also always had, you know, we, we all have those friends that ask too much of you and we never want to be that friend or have those friends. And brands have to play that same, you know, be careful as well. And so you, you, you're going to know what's right. And also, we're talking about audiences and feedback, and we're talking about these relationships. They'll tell you. <laughs> Either you'll see it in the drop-offs, or they're going to unsubscribe, or they're going to leave comments saying, like, this is just an ad. Why am I listening to an ad? And they can't, it can't be an ad. Okay, so there is an answer. There is an answer, yeah. Thank I guess you. we figured it out. <laughs> okay, I have one more question for all of you. Uh, and I'll start with Heather. We can just work our way down, if that sounds good. Um, so how can podcasters take advantage of tapping into loyal listeners to, to grow their shows? Uh, I would say the advantage of really tapping into, is that the question? Um, the advantages of how, or how to tap into loyal listeners. How to tap into the listeners to grow the shows. Yeah, so it, loyal listeners is a really, I would say, controversial topic in my opinion, because it's like only hosting platforms have access to that data. You can, um, I don't know if Acast reports on, I don't think they, I don't think any hosting platform does yet, but you have to match the IP addresses in the RSS feeds, then compare it to a timestamp duration to actually give you an accurate measure of how many people are coming back for future episodes. I think there's like Spotify back in the day used to on Ad Studio report on your loyal listeners per episode, but then decided to, for some reason, remove it um, from their service offerings. And I, I actually think that's probably one of the most important metrics that anyone could provide showing you how many of those listeners are coming back for repeat content. So that's like a very quantitative way of measuring it. Um, right now, the focus is really looking at other channels outside of audio to see how engaged your listeners are. So social media is like great for that. If you have a newsletter, it's really great to see how many people are engaging with your content. Um, podcast reviews is another one that, Roger, I know you mentioned that you know, usually you have a couple of call to actions. Our main one is like podcast reviews because it gives us a really great sense of like how many people care enough to actually leave an honest review, good or bad, about the, the show that they're listening to. Um, so those are really the channels I would say that, that we measure. Um, and then priority is obviously creating a, a, some, some sort of a community around your podcast. So giving your listeners an opportunity to engage with yourself as well as each other um, and how you can do that. There are so many different ways. Uh, forum groups, community groups is, is a big one. Um, you know, if you're capturing video content, sharing that out on the different engagement and social uh, channels that you're using, uh, creating some sort of a feedback 
uh, comments portal on your landing page or website where you can ask your guests to leave recommendations on what they'd like to hear for the next episode. Uh, and this one is my favorite. One of our clients does this at the beginning of their episode. They always ask people to tweet at them and say where they are in the world when they're listening to the show and what they're doing. And if you go to their Twitter feed, you'll see, um, you know, I'm in Holland riding my bike to work or I'm in New Mexico walking my dog. And it's just another engagement strategy or way to connect with your listeners and go one step further. So hope that answered the question. Um, I like the idea of um, starting a, a, a subscription channel. So at ACAST, it's, it's ACAST Plus. Um, but that is a, a wonderful way to grow that, that loyalty in addition um, to being a lovely additional revenue generator for uh, X number of dollars a month. You can create uh, custom content, create extra episodes, they can have an ad-free experience, um, and it's a, it's a wonderful way to feel connected. Um, and further to that, we at ACAST just launched a partnership with, with Meta, um, where if you are an ACAST Plus subscriber, you're automatically uh, eligible for Facebook communities where your fans and your loyal, your loyalists can go um, to build that community, talk about your podcast, talk about the content, debate, share ideas, do all that wonderful stuff. Um, so yeah, build that community. We, um, we have a, a, a podcast on the, our platform, uh, Random Order. I don't know if anybody's familiar with them. They're a bunch of amazing Canadian guys. Um, and they're on a platform called Discord. I had never heard of, do you know Discord? Yeah, my, nephew, my 18 year old nephew uses it. So okay. that's why you haven't heard of it. They're on Discord. Uh, I've tried, I've, I've been on it. I've tried to see what, what's up. Um, and um, I left quickly. Uh, no, I spent a few minutes. Uh, but anyway, so this is where they, they have a random order channel in Discord. Um, They're on there all the time with their loyal listeners. They talk about um, merchandise and they get merch ideas from this community. They talk about their show, show ideas, what these people, what their community wants to see on their show and they deliver against it. Um, and it is a beautiful thing and I have no idea how it works. Um, but yeah, so it comes down to community um, and again, just staying connected. Your listeners, your loyal listeners want to communicate with you. Um, so make it easy for them. I have a question for Heather, um, if that's okay. I just wanted to know the subscription channel that you mentioned at ACAST. Is that paid? And do you generally find like paywall and content to increase loyal listeners? Or does that sometimes deter them? No, it's, uh, yes, you, it, it can be paid. There's tiers. It depends okay. on um, how much your audience is, is willing to pay. Not everybody may have six dollars a month but some people may have two so it, it's it's very customizable and it, it, it depends on what sort of experience you want um, like if you're you're Mark Marin and, and you want this the subscription channel um, one of my favorite things is I get to hear more from the producer and I get to hear about the producers um, goals and you know why he made some editing decisions and how he edits the content and why he cuts certain things um, and it gives me a deep dive uh, behind the dark and stormy and interesting guy and, and why he makes the decisions that he does that I never would have ever um, been lucky enough to hear had I just listened to the, the podcast that I love dearly. So um, did that answer your question? Yeah, or did I go sideways? No, it's yeah, good. Okay. It's good. Uh, one, of, one of the things that we, oops, sorry. No, no, that's good part. I was, I was gonna say one of the things that we've, had a lot of success in is, is running listener surveys. 
So that gives us an idea of, I mean, there's no guarantee that that person responding is a loyal listener, but I think it's a good sign that if they're going out of their way to respond to your survey and give you some feedback, I think you can make some, some arguments that that would be a loyal listener. So with our clients, we'll run a survey um, once a year, biannual. You know, NPR does a really great job of this. They'll go through a series of a, about a month where they'll just ask for responses to the survey. Um, you can do that yourself, you know, do a survey monkey, set up a little website, like you, you, you can really uh, get some really inf great information from there. If you're, you know, if you're unsure about analyzing the data, there's ways of, like I know Edison Research does a sort of a light version of a, of a, a, a listener survey where I think it's about $3,000 and you can pay them to run the survey but also do the analysis and, you know, present you with a report at the end that will give you, a, a, you know, results. And then, apply the results to your show and, and call that out. Say, listen, we got some really great feedback. You know, we're doing X, Y, and Z because of it. Thank you for your feedback. Um, we also do like, you know, email addresses where uh, they can be sometimes a bit scary to give out an email address, but you know, email addresses where people leave you uh, direct feedback versus, you know, just the, the reviews on, on uh, some of the platforms. But um, I think it's, it comes down to sort of the create, creative ways that you can capture that information, which should signal who a loyal listener is or not. I mean, there are a lot of great feedback here that you guys are hearing in different ways. And, you know, everyone's kind of giving their own perspective and view on it. So the view that we're coming from is we represent brands and advertisers that are coming through it that ultimately are leading to hopefully money in many of your guys' pockets. And so everything that's missing, take advantage of and take true of. But, like, just keep in mind that you have to treat your podcast like it's your business. And, you know, how many, many of us in this room have gone to a restaurant based off a recommendation? How many people have gotten a job based off a referral? How many people have gone and visited a, 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 a gone on vacation based off an experience that they heard about? You know, these are, again, it comes around to podcasting is an incredibly personal way to share stories. And when you're hearing those and being able to share them again, don't take advantage or don't forget about word of mouth and meeting your customer and meeting your listeners where they're at. Like Discord is an incredibly powerful tool. Like, and if you're not on Discord as a podcaster, like, be on there today. Like, go set up a, if you're looking for how people are interviewing or meeting people, especially you're looking at the next generation of listeners that are coming up. You have to be able to, willing to go as far as you can to grow your business. You know, I'm saying business, grow your listenership, grow your, your audience. You have to meet them where they're at, and you have to be willing to be consistent about that. And if you do that and are authentic about the content and you're consistent about treating it that way and asking for the reference, asking for the word of mouth, asking for the referral, you know, not being afraid to do that because they'll want to share it. If they love your content, like I love to give a recommendation on a place to eat. I love to give a recommendation. I mean, how many of us share movies and TV shows that we watched over the weekend on a Monday morning? probably 90% of this room, podcasts are part of those conversations. You know, so don't be afraid to, to, to ask for it. And if you take care of all that sort of stuff, like the brands, all the other sort of stuff will take care of itself. Great. I think we have a few minutes for questions. Does anyone have any questions? We have a microphone going around. There's a very bright light right at us. So if you're raising your hand legitimately, no. the three of us can't see Cannot anything. Cannot see a thing. Okay, well, I'm right in front of you. Yeah. Um, aim, aim, aim at the voices. Yeah. <laughs> Can you elaborate on the Discord strategy? So you said go on Discord tomorrow if you're not on there. So just a little bit more specific about what you would do going on to Discord. 
Discord, you're seeing a lot of brands and you're seeing a lot of companies that are using Discord, which has primarily historically been around you know, education and groups that you can create around these things. But it is like a real-time chat channel for where you can do. A lot of companies are actually having service outages when they're having, they think they're alerting their Discord channel. It's a very personal, direct communication ways with not just that, but everyone that's a part of it. So if you leave a message, if there's 500 people in your channel, you're gonna have that opportunity to be able to share that with 500 people, which to that same point, all things good and all things bad go in that channel. So you have to make sure that you're on top of it so nothing you know, spirals out of control. So you're talking about- A little fun fact on Discord, I was one of the first Canadians to get my vaccine for COVID because I was on Discord and real time people were talking about where pop-ups were and who was using it and because like, you know, it's a lot of Gen Zers on Discord, and I was like, not Gen Z, by the way, but I was happened to be on it, and it's like one of those things when you're on it, and it's like so lucrative for exchanging information quickly, and um, it one it became Canada's fastest um, portal for for notifying people on where the vaccines were available. So, like. I have my own channel for Discord, that's what you're talking about. I create my own channel. Are you talking about going on other people's channels and saying, saying hey, join my podcast yeah. network? My own channel, right? Perfect. Well, thank you all so much for coming. Um, we do still have to announce the uh, prizing sponsor. Before I do that, um, Lauren, thank you so much for moderating. That was amazing. You did such oh, a great job. Um, yeah. And thank you to our fellow panelists for joining. I really so, so appreciate it. Um, now, the winner of today's session um, is going to get a microphone from Focusrite. Uh, if you look under your chair and there's a yellow sticky that says winner, you are walking home with the microphone. So please come find me or Steph um, in the audience. Yep, that's you. <laughs> thank you all for coming. Have a wonderful evening.